Hello, I'm Sami Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak. My guest on today's podcast is Justin Abosano, one of the most loved and highly regarded photographers in Web3. We talk about pain, his creative process, the business of NFTs, and so much more. I hope you enjoy. I was listening to some of your interviews and I've been watching what you're doing with, you know, with your art for quite some time. And the thing that really stood out for me, Justin, was your, uh, your pain, you know, as, um, uh, as somebody who is, I uh, come from a music background. I, I used to be in a death metal band and, and um, I've always, <laughs> you know, and I always used to, used to think that, um, you know, even when you're building a business, it's still a kind of art. And um, I feel that any kind of creative work comes from pain. You know, usually it's uh, when you are in the most amount of pain, you create your best work. And, and that's, or at least that's the seed. That's where, where it starts. Um, and then over time, you heal through the work that you do. You know, as you build, you heal. And, um, and if you don't mind, if you are open to it, I would love to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the pain that got you started and then um, talk a little bit about this healing process. But what's always been most important and most interesting to me is that when an artist heals, you know, when they gain success, when they heal through the, the work that they do, um, sometimes when that pain is gone, the magic in their work is also gone. So, so I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, how does an artist, how can an artist maintain that mojo, that magic in their, in their work when they, um, when they, uh, they have gained success and, and maybe the, they don't feel that pain as much? Yeah, thanks for asking that um, question. I think that's a deep question. Um, a lot of my art does come from pain and intuitively art has just been my vehicle of communication and expression and what makes me feel the best. And it took years and years to even understand the fact that art helps me through pain, art helps me through bad times. Art was just always there for me. Um, as art is just a reflection of yourself in the world around you. So for me, the pain just comes from life and family drama, uh, family circumstances, uh, losing a mother, losing a twin, um, my sister going through drug abuse, my brother going through drug abuse, my father being a workaholic and sometimes an alcoholic. So you, you're growing up in all these different circumstances at a young age can really traumatize someone and for me I was always looking through the lens and always my escape from that reality is is creating my own reality and creating my own vision and world and universe and seeing seeing around me and and trying to build something that I can live with and with me I started with photography and also drawing a lot um, in school I started drawing every day in school, um, in high school and middle school, I always drew. And then taking up the camera in, high, in early high school, around like 2008, 
or so, 2007, getting my first camera, really opened me up to the world in a way where I could see beauty and, and not be nested in this pain uh, that's surrounding me and, and bombarding me and infiltrating my life at such a young age. And you don't know what's going on with, with the people around you. You just, you're seeing reactions. And for me, it's just a way for me to cope, to create is for me to, have to cope with what's happening and to build a better understanding uh, around life. So it helped me grow, it helped me grow my perceptions and my concepts using art and photography and also reading a lot, get, getting ideas from reading, studying. Um, I do think though, pain is not necessarily the only inspiration. I see myself as I grow out of the pain, out of closure. I think closure is the biggest word. And I think starting from that point embodies a part of me that allows me to forgive and also accept circumstances and transmute that negativity into something, into a story, into something relatable. And I think for me, it had to start with death. It had to start with pain. And now I'm in a place where I don't have to be in pain. I could create enjoy and actually connect with more people um because not everyone's in pain some artists are and i work off of that and i aim to transmute that into something beautiful and something also healthy and sustainable so as i move forward i'm not in so much pain that's true because i've dealt and healed and closed closed that part of me and now I could see the world so fresh and so new. I could take it all in in a new way that actually can inspire more people rather than some from something so negative. It could actually be from a positive place. So I'm seeing my own evolution as an artist, artist from going from the pain I call it the healing journey into what I like to say is the hero's journey. And the hero's journey for me is very... Just like you're stepping in your power, you're taking your power back. You you know who you are. You know what you want to be in this world, and you you embody it. And I think that's a place where we need heroes, we need leaders to embody their truth. Otherwise, no one's going to live their truth, and and the artist lives their truth. I know I make art simply to make myself feel better, and also create the ideas and images that are in my brain and also the stories and the ma majorly conceptual themed projects are, are st storytelling and it's not random or, or unthought out. It's like, I take years creating the concept, thinking about the execution, thinking about the materials. Let's take Smoke and Mirrors, for example. It's my newest project that I'm, I'm having four exhibitions this year for starting on March 25th and, and then April 25th in LA and Berlin. But for this project, it's really about the materials and the, and the, and the idea and how the ideas connect to the material and also the, the, the story of the tarot and how the story of the tarot is imbued in everyone's life through their circumstances they're going through. And you could kind of call out what you're going through by the card you draw that day. So in a way, it's a universal story that's been told over centuries in different civilizations as different stories, but it all comes back to these archetypes. And I see these archetypes 
as the people that you go, you, you meet and see throughout your life and your day and who help you evolve into a person um, that finds their truth. So in a way, it's like we're all on the fool's journey, seeking our truth to become who we, who we truly are supposed to be. And for me, the tarot is a great guide and a great story and it's ancient. And the way I connect that ancient story to the materials of the papyrus paper, it's like I'm bringing it back to humanity and to where we come from, to the images that we've created so long ago. And yet they're so relevant today. And then using silkscreen as the contemporary printing process to communicate these ideas through my photography, it's like a mixed media element. So I'm transcending photography. I'm also um, visualizing the person with their aura and their spirit. So it's like you're in touch with both the material and spirit world with, with these, what I call tarot scrolls. Um, and so it's like a magic artwork. And I like to think of them as hieroglyphs, like neoglyphs, because when you think of hieroglyphs, they're images on papyrus. And we, we, we speak in a language of text and, and letters, but then when photography is implied in that way, it's like a new age of, hier of hieroglyphs that communicate what the world is. And I like to put my photographs of these people on papyrus because it makes it feel like it's communicating a story, just like the ancient Egyptians or the ancient Mesopotamians or Sumerians were communicating to their, their glyphs. So, you know, it, it really bridges the past, present, and future. And I say the future because these material objects that are analogically created in a generative hand, handmade way, I would say, because none of the pictures are very similar. They're all a little different vari variations. But the future element is living on the blockchain. So again, these papyrus tarot scrolls are archived on the blockchain, which in a, another sense is another way of hieroglyphs can be um, perceived. Just like we see these things in the temples and they've been there for thousands of years. For the future, these, these neoglyphs, these tarot scrolls will be on the blockchain and we will be ancient to the future. So it's, it's interesting to play with time, our understanding with our ancestors and how we connect to that and also the future civilization, seeing what we're putting on the blockchain today because we're at the brink of it. So in a way, I've been working on this project since 2018 and it took for technology to really amplify it to that level where the concept meets the, the technology. Otherwise it would have just been, the final product would have been papyrus prints in the gallery wall. But I think to make it the story last and to make it resonate, it needs to be archived in a way what we're doing now matters. So the blockchain has a, if you think of the blockchain, it's like we're, we're scribing these images, digital files onto a permanent place, just like we see the hieroglyphs on the stones. So I like to bring that all together through this project and really stepping into that hero's journey and connecting with people all around the world and telling that story as one and, and also making it a tarot deck so people could enjoy. Super interesting. So um, what would you say to 
photographers coming into uh, the Web3 space who don't know anything about all the things that you just said in terms of that the blockchain is like this, you know, uh, you're basically saying it's similar kind of to what in ancient history, this is the way that we would, you know, engrave these things into um, a part of history forever. How do you explain this to, you know, think about like people listening to this that may not necessarily um, know, you know, it would be really helpful because hopefully, you know, this, this podcast right now, a lot of people who listen to it are, uh, people who are in Web3, but um, there are also a lot of people who listen to it who are new to it, and uh, which is why I would love to, you know, have you on the platform and do a, a uh, session for p- photographers new to this. You know, we we'll go to uh, LinkedIn and and well, you know, bring I'm people. I'm still new yeah. to this too. I'm not an expert. I'm still new to this too. I'm an artist that's experimenting with the technology that's provided, and I think. The answer to what your question is, you just play until you get an understanding of what you're working with. And for me, it's it comes intuitively and native. You know, I've been playing with crypto since 2017, even Bitcoin earlier. So I had a, that general understanding by learning it and learning to lose money and learning to hate it and learning to love it. And, and just learning. I think learning is how you can understand what the blockchain is and how it's used and what you want it to be. I think there's so much freedom. You know, anyone can make up what they want the blockchain to be. And it's, you could add layers to it. So it's an ever-changing technological um, breakthrough that we're dealing with here. And it's still being built as, as we continue. As you see with all these new projects and artists come out, they're just continuously playing around with it just to create new models and mechanics. So for me, I like to think it, think of it from a philosophical standpoint and, and just from my experiences, share my feelings on what it symbolizes. And for me, symbolism is, is a really strong way to connect ideas to things. So for me, I, I like to think of the blockchain as a, a permanent archaeological site for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always moving and it's always being validated and then it's there forever, no matter if anyone's servers or computers break, it's still there. And I think that's an interesting concept coming from being a photographer who's, who's lost dozens and hundreds and thousands of amazing images from hard drives that fail. So it's like, as an artist who loves creating, and unfortunately, if there's a fire, if there's like a te- technological breakdown, <clears throat> it still exists. And it exists for the public to see. Similar to how you would think of Instagram, but it's it's more permanent. It's not like a, a centralized data storage. And I think that's the beauty of the blockchain is that other people, you know, validate what you're transcribing yeah no absolutely so now let's talk a little bit about the community aspect of web3 so as a photographer who you know is focused on going out there you know creating these incredible art um how do you balance that with 
the uh, building a community, which seems like it's um, a a core part of building in Web three. Um, you know, there's an expectation that you would be there for your community and that you would, you know, work to um, make sure that the the value of uh, you know what they bought uh, it 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 stays or, or goes up or whatever, right? So so I'd love to know you know from a bit of a practical point of view, how do you manage that? What are your thoughts on on this idea? This this new because the blockchain has opened up a whole new business model for artists, and we need to speaking of business models, we need to talk about royalties and and all that stuff, but um, we will come to that, but. Um, but but first things first, this expectation of community, what what do you do about that? How, how do you manage that? You know, I've always been involved in communities. Uh, I think it starts when I was younger, chess clubs and debate clubs and skateboarding and being a part of activities and finding communities and finding people that relate to you. I think for me, I've always been drawn to the art scene and make a lot of friends going to galleries and different artist studios. And I think naturally we gravitate to what we like and the people, you know, who like the same things are flourished there. I think in Web3 it's accelerated because everyone's online and it's easy to join a community through Discord or Twitters or going to live events. So really it's, you know, it's up to the artist or the, the master of the ceremony to really take care of their community and not just in a financial way because that's, you know, conditional love. What, what the artist wants to create is telling their story that people can resonate with that goes beyond a financial transaction. And I think it's important because in a lot of this NFT space, there are a lot of transactional relationships. And I want to encourage more authentic relationships and just connecting and not only talking about the work and what it's selling for, but like how people are doing and, and their emotional state and how the art can symbolize that meeting point for people to get together, not just talk about the art or the artist, or but just come together as friends. And I think a good artist really brings more people together in that way. Yeah, that's right. So how much time do you, do you dedicate to hanging out with your community? Uh, and, um, you know, how do you handle things like Discord, right? Do you, do you actually go to Discord? Do you, um, mm-hmm. you know, what what level of, uh, you know, I know that a lot of artists, um, you know, don't find it very easy to manage that uh, with actually building building their art. You know, it's, it's a balance. <clears throat> um, you know, I think there's different seasons of what an artist is working on, like, when I'm working in the studio, I'm focused on 100% art making. And I do still spend like time on the Discord and connecting and Twitter. And, but I think you need to know and have a strategy on your time and your day and, you know, self-care as well. So, you know, I did, I was a little bit unhealthy and on the phone 18 hours a day all of 2021 and didn't take care of my physical self. And then all of 2022, I spent more time taking care of my physical self and well-being during the bear. So, you know, you learn and I've learned that you have to make time for everything. 
especially making art is the most important. And then spending time with your community is also important too. So how do you balance that? And how do you not let one overtake the other? So for me, it was just naturally balancing it. Like when I'm not in the studio, I'm, I'm discording. When I'm not shooting, I'm on Twitter. Um, when I am shooting or when I am in the studio, I'll spend less time in those places and, and share progress shots in the Discord so, so people know I'm working. Um, you don't want to make an unhealthy habit of just always being on your phone and scrolling your life away. And that's something I'm guilty of. So I'm really trying to set boundaries with myself to to be more present and and really foster more deeper relations with with the already existing collectors. I think there's always this drive to we need more collectors, we need more collectors, but in in actuality you have enough and you know, it's just a matter of maintenance and, and caretaking for the people who are already there and and naturally it grows. And it, it's you know, I'm still learning myself. I'm I, like I said, I'm not an expert. I'm just going off of experience, and and I do fail and I do mess up. And you know, you you, you do your best because you're no one's perfect. So so tell me this: um, how uh, you've been pretty good at marketing yourself? I think that's something that not a lot of artists are good at. You know, I think you've been very successful at doing that. Um, and uh, I see that in a very positive light, you know, like a lot of times people don't like that. If you are, you know, um, good at building your brand or, you know, like uh, in, in general, people don't, you know, sometimes people don't like it, in, in, especially in Web3. But I, I think that there's a lot to be learned from the way that you have um, built your brand as, a, uh, as an artist. Can you talk a little bit to that and... Um, you know, uh, for maybe up and coming artists thinking about this, you know, what should they do to build their brand? Because ultimately, it's like anything else, um, you know, and, and of course, I also want to definitely talk about AI, but it's like anything else, um, you know, like you can use all these tools and technologies to create beautiful imagery. But um, ultimately, it's about being able to build this uh, this brand around yourself as well, right? So talk a little bit about that. What can people do to uh, do a better job at building their brand? I mean, I don't even know, but just say, I, I like to just say show up. Show up at every gallery show, at everything that matters to you and everyone that matters to you or everyone that you want to get to know, show up for them and um, keep showing up and just be there for the people that you want to connect with. That's what I've been doing and just continue making your art and not settling for less and do everything out of integrity. And um, when you don't do out of things out of integrity, you'll learn and you learn not, not to do those things. So I think building a brand, I don't even see myself as a brand, but if I am a brand, it's just telling the story so authentically and unapologetically that it's not a shill, it's like a need, a desire to like connect with people, to share something you're proud of. For me, it's like, I wanted Twin Flames to be known. And I've been fighting for it for years, having gallery shows, getting noticed by museum curators and people. 
and just sending that book out to the editors and getting it into people's hands, creating the, the, uh, you know, the mass movement behind the project and then telling that story on all the tools that we have with the voice chats and just sharing instead of shilling, you're sharing. And it's like, it's an energy. If you're trying to sell something, isn't it's like it's 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 obvious but if you're sharing something from your heart it's like it's different it's a different uh frequency and i think people resonate with that frequency even if you are selling something it's more than that it's it's showing yourself in your in your vulnerable state and it's look seeking that validation and acceptance and you're putting yourself on the line and sacrificing your fears in order to achieve what you're trying to create. And I think for me, it was needing to tell the story of Twin Flames to people who are willing to listen and finding success in that and finding gratitude in all the people who support and finally having that break of like, I finally broke through a wall here that I've been stuck behind in the art world. And now this world gives a fuck about me and this project and like that's my community that's how you build the community that's how you build your brand you just you find the people who care and most of the time it's not going to be the people who you think who you want to care it's just going to be people along the way that genuinely like what you're doing and, and see how you do it and want to support so to all my collectors out there thank you Mm-hmm. for supporting me and pushing me and you know get, get being vulnerable and, and having the confidence to do those things very nice now tell me a little bit about um your use of technology um how do you feel about ai it's a very uh contentious uh topic these days you know especially if you if you're talking to um artists so you know, how how are we going to measure the value of human art uh, when uh, when AI uh, is becoming so good? And yeah, so talk talk a little bit about how do you feel about it as an artist? I'm not an expert at all on AI or anything um, like this, but you know it doesn't hurt to try, doesn't hurt to experiment and see what this process can create, even if it's creating a vision board or, you know, bringing language to life through imagery. There's some use use here that can inspire something, even if doing one thing can inspire a new thing that can actually put you on track to creating what you want to create. And I wouldn't say that AI is controversial. It's, it's a tool and it's the way you see it makes it that way. So for me, I, I, I'm interested in seeing how it functions and I play around with it and I don't see it as a threat. I actually, I think there'll be metadata involved that says that this is an AI image. So people should be aware. I think that's the biggest thing about AI. It's like, there needs to be a disclaimer of wherever you're seeing it, that, you know, it's like, this is AI. And I think that will make everything easy at ease versus so like, a conflict and I think 
that just makes you want to appreciate human art more because you're, you're aware that if you start to see everything as AI, you're going to want to see what's human. And that might be even better for who's making human art or analog art. Like, I don't know. I'm just sharing my idea, but I think that information is extremely important to know what you're looking at is AI and that's in the metadata and that's tagged and, you know, it doesn't have to be a fight. It's just, it's just an acknowledgement. I like that. I like the idea of um, metadata, having a metadata that um, shows, you know, that, that it, let's say if you use AI tools, I, I'm pretty sure people will find ways to get around it. Um, you know, it's, it's very hard to, to get it done in a way that, um, I, 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 yeah, to have like the technology that it sort of injects that into the metadata, I think it's, it's difficult. Um, but uh, I, I really like the idea of, you know, looking at it and thinking, okay, this is, this is AI or, or not, just knowing that. But do you think that human created art should be inherently more valuable? Is that how you would see it? It's beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So whether you're the artist or the collector, that's up to you to say, I, I, it's not for me to, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's very true. Because there has been um, experiments where uh, both in terms of music. So for example, I, I talked about it in my book, which is about the future of work. And um, in it, I, I discuss how uh, there is this, experiment done where music was generated in the style of Bach, you know, and presented to Bach lovers. And, and you know, some, some of the Bach lovers, you know, they thought actually that that, that was, you know, music by, by Bach. And, and, they, and in some cases, they actually preferred it. You know, they were like, you know, they, they, in, in some cases, they actually found it more pleasing. And a similar kind of thing has been done with visual art. So, so this is, um, it, it, uh, it, it's quite common uh, already. It's quite common already. So it can happen that you like more, that you like the uh, AI art better. Um, but I think over time, as this art gets even better, uh, it, it will become even more difficult to distinguish and, and kind of, I think that one of the biggest uh, debates of our uh, de this decade and and you know the coming decade is going to be this whole idea, uh, everything to do with with IP rights around it. You know whether you should be uh, valuing AI art in a similar way uh, and and not just AI art but the output of AI in every possible way. How do you feel about this new conversation around royalties and and the the whole uh, debate? Uh, I think because. There are two different categories here. There's the artists and then there's the businesses building, you know, let's say, for example, if you're using, you know, um, if you're using uh, NFTs as a membership, it's a very different story to when if somebody is selling art. So, oh, no. um, yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about from your artist perspective, how do you feel about these conversations going on right now? I... I'm an advocate for royalties as an artist. That's the main draw for NFTs and why they're an important technological revolution um, for everyone who's the creator here. So I think royalties are extremely important for sustainability and longevity. And 
you know, says, yeah, the care of an artist to continue working because it's very um, uh, disappointing and also disassociative when you're not involved in the success. And I think that dampers the energy in the project. So I think for an artist, that's it's absolutely necessary for a brand you know that's a different conversation so i'm only going to speak on behalf of the artists i think you know you see authors and musicians get royalties and have been for years and when artists start getting royalties for their imagery which are which are extremely influential and important you know i think it, it's well deserved um yeah and and also it it means that it will sustain you so that you don't have to drop more art um let's talk a little bit about this cadence right so like uh how often how often as a as an artist you know how do you manage the cadence of your drops you know how how often you drop and and if there wasn't uh a royalty would you have to have more drops i think i think like the 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 whole thing about uh royalties is that this is i had this conversation with kevin rose where he was like you know that that people are shooting themselves in the foot uh, when they don't pay it and i the more i think about it the more i'm like just there is a problem with this idea that royalty if if it's not enforceable then it probably shouldn't be enforced you know uh, uh, like it, it basically it needs to be enforceable if it's not enforced then then some people are going to pay some people are not going to pay and there's always this this debate about what's fair and what's unfair well if you're buying the artist's work i think it's fair to say that the artist makes the rules and it's up to the collector to decide if they want to collect it or not and so yeah that's a tough conversation but i like i like royalties and they've helped my life in many artists' lives. And that's a big reason why I don't like to drop so much stuff because I like to focus on my projects and, you know, take care of my collectors. So if there weren't royalties, there'd be a lot more art because it's we'd have to rely on the primary sale and that's it. So I think a big part of NFTs is the liquidity factor and everyone wants to flip, you know, art and you know, the artist ha- doesn't need to have to suffer because that art that sells for 0.5 ETH to 1 ETH to 10 ETH to 100 ETH, you know, it's nice when the artist gets a part of that and it makes the artist more inspired to do more of that. So, you know, I, I like to not be in a scarcity mindset. I think that whole royalties situation came out of a scarcity mindset after the bull market cooled off. And it's just people are looking to penny penny pinch, you know, wherever they can and not paying artists and and or marketplace fees so people could get more profit is like, you know, it's incomparable because the percents are so low. And and how about um, if somebody sells at a loss, this is a conversation we were having, right? That that you know if they if they especially if they sell at a very big loss um again i guess it, it's slightly different if it's art or anything else but yeah i would love to know your your take on that well if you're selling at a loss then you you're doing your best to recoup what you had spent um and like and it really depends on your relationship with the artist 
But if it's like a if it's a if it's a life changing significant loss, then you know you got to take care of yourself and not and not face judgment um, or blame or shame because you know people don't know what you're going through, and some people have to pay bills or buy food or or diapers, and you know you need to uh, take care of your immediate needs. And I think what we're doing here is like a luxury of having the time and ability to trade JPEGs uh, with Ethereum um, is, isn't like accessible to a lot of people. So unless, unless you create that wealth as an artist or a brand, it's not easy to break into. Okay, so let's let's talk uh, the last thing. Let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, I, I wrote down something that you had said during the conversation in the beginning. You mentioned transcending photography. Um, mm-hmm. so, so tell me a little bit more about that. What does that mean to you? You know, and, and then um, on the back of that, a little bit about where you're going, you know, what you said about your new project, when, when uh, can we expect to see that and, and all that stuff. But starting yeah. first, let's talk a little bit about what does it mean to, to be transcending photography? Um, when I say transcending photography, I'm saying from my own point of view and how I evolved through the media medium um you know you start with i started with the polaroid which is like a, you press one button and it, sh- and it spits out a photo and there's no room for editing or developing so like i start there and then i move to film um shooting four by five and then you develop that in the dark room and then you make prints and that's like standard photography classic portrait photography what you see as twin flames and then taking it up to the next level, um, mixed media photography. So shooting smoke and mirrors in black and white, and then printing black and white darkroom prints. So that's like the standard photography um, again, and then creating from the foundational image of those black and whites, creating silkscreen paintings with multi-layered dimensions of ink that the subject chooses. So, and then using papyrus, which is a non-conventional printing paper for what you would say photography. It's, it's very delicate and, and difficult paper to use. It's an ancient paper <clears throat> and it's not easy to use and work with, but I like to work with it because it's so um, tangible and, and it reminds me of my ancestors and, and, and ancient humanity and history and connects us and connects me to that primal origin of what we come from. So I like using that paper, especially with the story of, of the esoteric and the mysticism of the tarot. And I think it works well together and they, they, they um, complement the story, complements the material and uh, creating paintings out of the photographs um, where it's not just a photograph anymore. It's something in between a painting and a photograph. And that's what I mean by transcending the medium of photography. It's by using different printing processes, different tools, different ideas. And for, for me, you know, the next level of transcending photography, my perspective of it um, would be like doing super eight or, or tintype. So it's like, how am I evolving as an artist through the, through the, through the camera making ability? And when I say transcending the form of photography, it's it's how I'm evolving my practice. 
Awesome. I love it. Okay. So when is, uh, when is this next uh, um, yeah. project going out? So Smoke and Mirrors is actually on online and live. I've, I started that project in 2018 and finished shooting it in 2021. We just finished doing all the silk screens. So if you go to OpenSea and you type in Smoke and Mirrors, you'll see the black and white originals, which I like to call them the autoglyphs of my collection because there's only like 78 and they're black and white. And then there's 468 at this time tarot scrolls. <clears throat> and and you can claim the physical scroll if it's still available. So a lot of so a big part about these tarot scrolls is there's a physical element. So you hang the artwork in your home. And and so I like to connect my NFTs with physicals and give you the best of both worlds. So you can claim a physical tarot scroll. If you if you look it up, there's also a link in the description of the of that collection. And I'm having my first solo exhibition for Smoke and Mirrors mm-hmm. and in LA on March 25th at Gabba Gallery. And we'll be doing a book launch, which is also a tarot book you could use every day for your practice. We'll be having an exhibition April 25th at expanded.art in uh, Berlin. And then in Paris for Paris Photo. And then in New York to finish it off um, at Venus over Manhattan mm-hmm. uh, sometime in October, November. So this year it's going to be exhibiting, you know, on tour, smoke and mirrors all around the world. And uh, yeah, hopefully it'll end up in a museum. Very nice. Looking forward to, uh, to following your journey. Um, are you planning to be at a proof, proof conference? Do you think you would be I'm supposed to be there? Okay. I don't know yet whether I will make it, but um, I've got... Are you going to NFC Paris? Uh, yeah, I will be there. So I'll see you there. Perfect. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Justin. This has been great. Thank Bye. you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Justin Avasano. Be sure to follow him on Twitter if you haven't already. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Arya Show.